0: G'day. How are you going? Yeah, that's right. It is the 10th ever episode. And uh, yeah, we've reached quite a milestone and I'm looking forward to future guests uh, when they come in. If you want to be a guest on this podcast, I'm always looking for new people. Uh, if you have like a hobby, or project organization, it could be niche. It could be very broad. It could be anything. I don't really care. I just want you on here. So be sure to drop me an email or you can leave me a Facebook, Twitter or Instagram message. I'll uh, leave those details in the show notes. My guest for this week is a guy called Masi Tahiri. Um, he's a risk strategist for a company called Toffler Associates. Uh, They're based in Arlington, Virginia in the United States, uh, and they're a future-focused strategic advisory firm. Um, He helps private and public organizations explore the dynamics of operating environments across different industries and uh, helps future-proof them. And uh, he has a particular particular interest in space hacking, a very daunting prospect. And uh, we spoke a bit about space hacking, and he explained what it was and, uh, you know, things like consequences of space hacking, like ways to hack satellites and other kind of space assets is really really daunting but at the same time it was very informative and uh, we spoke a bit about space as well because he's a huge fan of space obviously and uh, yeah we talked about what travel you know space tourism will come up in the next 20 30 years and what other kind of things in space will happen at the uh, at the consumer level and uh, he also tells me his reaction about what Tesla did earlier this year where uh, they released one of their cars into orbit. <laughs> So yeah, it was very good chat, very informative and uh, thanks Massey for, uh, for having a chat with me. It was great. So here he is. I hope you enjoy it. Massey Tahiri, direct from Arlington, Virginia in the United States. All the way from Arlington, Virginia in the United States. Right now I'm on the phone, or on Skype rather, to uh, Masi Tahiri. Hello Masi. Hey Ivan, how are you? Yeah, great thanks. It's um, it's 8am on a Sunday morning where I am. Uh, what, what time is it uh, in uh, in Arlington? It's just about 6pm in oh. the evening. Ah oh, nice, on a
1: Saturday. Yes, a summery type Saturday in the
0: spring, so very nice. <laughs> ah, very nice. Do you have any plans for this evening, or is it going to be a quiet night in?
1: It is going to be a quiet night. I think this weekend, since it's Mother's Day in the U.S., just really spend time with the, the mom and, and grandparents as
0: well. Ah, great. Yeah, it, it's Mother's Day here as well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. M- well, Mother's Day morning right now in, in
1: Melbourne. Mother.
0: Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm glad we got the, uh, the time differences sorted. I got a bit worried that, you know, I I'd call you, you know, at 8 p.m. by mistake and you're in bed. <laughs>
2: You
0: know? yeah <laughs> so i'm glad i'm glad we got that one sorted excellent yeah so i uh, i mentioned in the introduction um uh, see that you're um, a risk strategist uh for a company called toffler associates uh a future focused strategic advisory firm uh based in arlington virginia um so just i, I just want to ask um because you're you're a risk strategist i mean how did you get involved in the uh, in the industry
1: yeah so it's it's a great question i think um you know, growing up, I mean, so I've come from a finance business background and, um, you know, learned a lot about corporate finance to so walk you through real quick. And, and I figured it was, you know, corporate finance, cash flows. There's some risk involved, financial risk. It was a little boring. So I got really interested in sort of the um, the, the risky side and the sort of securities. And really, uh, if you recall the name, Bernie Madoff.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> person,
1: the person who blew his whistle real real short story person who blew his whistle came and gave a lecture of my finance course right He opened my eyes to this whole world of criminal finance and sort of the dark side you know uh-huh. so that type of, things. and so I was like, you know what it's pretty cool, and I want to do something more on a global scale right. and so afterwards, I started you know studying sort of international uh issues, whether it's crises, transnational crime, cyber crime, uh, global political economy, and sort of more the uh the negative. Impacts and externalities, and so I came across that Topher Associates uh, a few years ago, and uh, really future-focused on the opportunities to create wealth, but also wealth protection. So wealth creation, wealth protection in their portraits How do you first understand the risk associated in a particular industry sector or different, um, you know, sort of the disruptive forces, uh, and how do you hedge, accommodate, or plan? Mm. Uh, and navigate those those uncertainties and volatility. So uh, that's sort of how I came across this. And now we, a lot of the engagements I personally work on are real focused on the security side or market risk or organizational and inter- enterprise risk.
2: Yeah. And, and, uh, and but and I must you, say, uh,
1: I, along with the strat- risk strategy, there's always I'm an optimist by nature, <laughs> and uh, yeah. so it's not always boom and doom. Uh-huh. Rather, it's hey, you are the risks, but let's let's turn these risks into opportunities
0: let's make the lemons into lemonade (laughs) yeah and i guess uh, you mentioned wealth protection as well Uh, i guess in this in this day and age where you know people can get scammed you know not not just you know corporate level i guess consumer level as well Uh, i guess wealth protection is a really really important aspect
1: no question about it yeah wealth protection i think in in the individual level of course sort of our finances um you know our the sensitive data you and i have i mean look uh we'll probably talk about this a little later with with Mm -hmm. respect with respect to satellites Mm -hmm we humans globally produce about 2.5 quintillion bytes of data per day.
2: Yeah, that sounds um, about right. Just
1: imagine, I mean, whether it's podcast information or credit card information, so that sort of wealth. But you take it over on the organizational side and the wealth that these organizations work, the institutions, whether it's government companies, they're producing data, they're having our data, they use it for sales, marketing, and whatnot. Then, and of course, country to country and globally, it's amazing. So absolutely, it's a tremendous amount of wealth there. Yeah. Um that um you know, a lot of business opportunities but also opportunities to to protect it because there's always that other side that's looking to uh looking for the shortcuts and that they don't play by the rules.
0: <laughs> no, of course. <laughs> and you've gotta you gotta get it right the first time, I suppose. Otherwise it'd be uh it'd be a disaster. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, in your video presentation, which I'll actually put in the show notes uh, for this podcast episode, so everyone can uh, can have a watch. I'll, and you also you've done a blog and an infographic on uh, uh, space hacking and uh, and its consequences. Um. I, I watched the the presentation, and you mentioned that cyber and space. Uh. The, those those ideas are becoming one. So how are they how are they doing that exactly?
1: Of course. Yeah. No. It's uh. It's really ama- amazing how. The evolution of these two domains is starting to become integrated interconnected uh, and interdependent for sure i think if you just t- look the viewers yourself if you just look back at the history of the internet mm-hmm. how you and i come about it now it's just ubiquitous all the way. well not entirely but it's certainly accessible yeah uh whether it's some areas it's pretty spotty internet connection way how you but nevertheless the same thing if you if you just above the earth in the low earth orbit into space it's very similar right it started out as sort of a a couple nations, America, Russia, the Soviet Union, sort of using satellites for military-focused type activities. But over time, um, it became more commercialized. Mm. And now, fast forward to today, uh, as you do miniaturization, so nano satellites, micro satellites, what have you, uh, and the type of design of satellites that are being put up into space, uh, it's no, it's no longer sort of um, Industrial light, and by that I mean sort of launching these large satellites, and then every ten, fifteen years, launching another one and another one, mm-hmm. or sending a few astronauts in space every so and then to actually fix it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. so now you're seeing a lot more uh, use of something called software-defined satellites, uh, or satellites that are created with open, flexible architecture.
0: Right. And so by so the, kind it's of like essentially, a, so kind of like open source. Do you mean or it,
1: it's open source? I think yes. I, I think they're. Um, and I say yes in the sense that, like for example, a coding force software for a satellite could be possibly available depending on the actual satellite application.
2: Mm-hmm. When you
1: get into sort of a corporate or government, they they try to lock it down. we rightly so, right? We don't want to just go on GitHub and just look at the, the source code and start playing around modifying uh, okay. satellite, uh, you know, satellites. But nevertheless, um, so you're essentially seeing this integration between cyber and uh, space assets, right? All digital become increasingly digital, right? So, you know, I think we'll talk about this a little later on as well, but with the actual space systems, um, you and I, I mean, we look at the weather app today, right? The digital means. You essentially, these are servers and computers floating in space that you and I are using and helping. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, I mean, there's a, a good amount of, there's a lot of entrepreneurial energy in space, driven by passion, right? There's the Musks and Bezos of the world,
2: mm.
1: uh, but there's also sort of the really entrepreneurs that are that really don't get much press like they the others do, that are working ideas that you and I can actually access and use satellites from our mobile device.
2: Right. So just okay.
1: imagine today we talk about the Internet of Things security and the risks associated. Well, just imagine these satellites that we depend on today are really directly accessing. We access it through our mobile devices. And that just opens up the, uh, 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 several, several threat vectors. The attack surface is quite open.
0: So is it basically, you know, things like, like streaming Netflix or, you know, using Snapchat or whatever? So you're saying that those would those would go through satellites or, or you can get that data from satellites eventually?
1: Eventually, yeah, I would say so. I mean, today, for example, it's uh, primarily based on the internet sort of fiber optic cables. But you're increasingly seeing this integration and interdependence uh, between your space-based infrastructure and this fiber to back up and really work in parallel with the the wire cables that are under sea provide us internet here on you know land internet and um yeah it, it really is i think it's it's interesting to see sort of it's, it's uh it's coined the internet of space
0: <laughs> yeah of course and so, <laughs> ios
1: yeah i mean if you look yeah it, 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 from a tactical point of view if you think about it i mean you have more of a um, surface area to project internet bandwidth to you and i right for example mm. so I, I think what's what's happening. It's, it's remarkable. What's actually happening in space right now, um, particularly low Earth orbit. There's Leo, Meo, and Geo for the uh, space geek parlance. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of activity going on there. That's really commercial in nature. Right. Really focused. On, hey, the end user like you and I, um, how can we really benefit
0: from it? Right. Um, well, that's uh, I guess that, that's, that's something that's kind of scary and kind of exciting as well, I suppose. <laughs> but absolutely, I, yeah, yeah. And um, so basically, with, with space hacking, so like like a computer, you know, satellites can be hacked, you know, by the by the right people or whatever, like who know what they're doing. What does space hacking entail? Like, what what's something that one would do? Like, how would one hack a satellite? Not to give yeah, ideas so, to our listeners, I'm, I'm sure if they're really that. Of savvy, course,
1: yeah. I, know.
0: <laughs> I just want to like
1: about it. the internet and open source. It's amazing today with the information and you can find. And essentially, there are certainly FAQs on how to actually hack a satellite. And by hacking, of course, it's really uh, you know the, the information security triad: confidentiality, integrity, availability. really messing with those for a particular satellite. So. Yeah, there are there are key ways. I mean, a lot of reports out there from Chatham House or even uh, Center for New America Security in the U.S. Um, you know, there are kinetic ways and non-kinetic ways. And so, non-kinetic ways are your typical unauthorized access, sort of intrusion. So, jamming, for example.
0: Not jamming. So,
1: you know, these watchers, the, the the signals that are coming to so from the satellite to the ground station, um, sort of whatever. It's so a man-in-the-middle attack, what have you. Sort of uh, reflecting somewhere else. Uh, manipulation, of course of the satellites uh, via a ground station or even a corporate network, for example, you know? So by that, I mean, let's just say Ivan and company you have a satellite floating and you're in the space and um, you have a team that operates in Melbourne near a ground station terminal mm. and you guys are really working and controlling the satellite through your workstation, right? And so let's just say the work, your cybersecurity on your workstation, whether it's an operating, outdated operating system, you haven't had done your patches or one of your employees, uh, falls, uh, victim to a engine, social engineering attack, okay. uh, sort of a phishing, spear phishing email. So what happens is the, the ad- adversary is asked is to your workstation and through your workstation can actually control, manipulate the satellite. So sort of that puts into perspective what type of hacking we're talking about there.
0: My goodness. And then, <laughs>
1: um, yeah, jamming, manipulation. And then, um, you also have uh, the kinetic side of it as well, right? I think the, the cyber and physical risks, uh, you know, too often we fought, focus on, well, in information security, the, the digital risks, rightly so, right? Important, but also, you know, if we talk about the enemies or folks who want to really uh, do something bad, they always look for the blind spot, mm. the weak, the vulnerability. And so that not, that may not always be a digital mean, It could also be a physical side as well. So for example, I think uh, in 2007, China, um, had launched an anti-satellite missile to uh, blow up one of their own satellites.
2: Right, right.
1: Uh, of course, these, this whole talk about ICBMs and other missiles, I think it's – those are ultimately – I mean, these are subsensitive systems that are floating in space that it can actually – equivalent of an IED, improvised explosive device, can just, you know, not even be – you know, it can – Explode near the vicinity of a particular system like the GPS, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, corporate system that's used in low earth orbit. And just imagine, I mean, you're in a, as soon as you get off the actual orbit, that's when all the latency comes into effect, and you and I won't be able to stream our Netflix anymore.
0: Oh, no, and what a <laughs> sad world worse, that
1: would be. It, yeah, even worse is the, the impact on the financial system, transportation, you know, because again, if, if we talk about GPS specifically position navigation and timing.
0: Yeah, a lot of people uh, wouldn't know where to go. <laughs> the GPS would be
1: malfunctioning. <laughs> I mean just imagine these 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 industries that have popped up. The Ubers of the world, the DDs of the world, whatever yeah. it is. So it would I uh, rely
0: Yeah, it GPS. would have long term or short term and long term consequences in, in society in the way that we uh, interact with different companies and different apps and, and everything. So it'd be quite quite a large consequence.
1: That's
0: right. I mean could it That's affect right. could it affect things like besides, you know, Uber and Netflix could like could a satellite affect perhaps things like really important things like the power grid or other kind of like assets, you know, that keep, you know, society functioning? I mean, is that, is that possible?
1: Absolutely. Uh, I and mean, that's really the, the, uh, the risky side and scary side of this all. If you were to, to look up for your viewers sort of the, a day without space, whether the U S government or these, uh, think tanks that produce some reports on a day without space, and really, it's really that. I think the important piece is to understand that we have a uh, space is essentially a critical infrastructure. Uh, we have critical infrastructure here on Earth as well. You mentioned the power grid, mm. even food and agriculture, for example. And increasingly, like I said earlier on, it's becoming more integrated and interdependent. Right. And so if there is something that uh, is uh, impacted negatively in space that is linked to a critical infrastructure like a power grid or, you know, how agriculture is pre- done, mm. Uh, that will have devastating you know second third order impacts that you and I would not would not like I think it'll it'll really create a serious dark spots uh, and if you look at specific example of military for example I mean they really do rely on precision right mm-hmm. so sort of the advanced strategic advantage, asymmetrical advantage in space to see where the particular adversaries are located or um, you know do some recon or intelligence surveillance recon reconnaissance mm-hmm. and so having the the eye, Above you to look over and really see where things are going. That's really impactful, of course. That's from military side. And then weather, of course, I mean, it's just these uh, this predictive capability that we're increasingly becoming uh, comfortable with or, uh, you know, exploring to help us really have a two day, three day, or one day advantage to a particular hurricane, tornado, or what have you. I think you don't have that ability. And of course, you have you know, mass casualties.
0: Yeah, so, it'd be it'd be yeah. devastating, you know, if if something like a yeah. hurricane Katrina came along and and it couldn't be detected, you know, that'd be uh, that'd yeah, be a disaster. That's right. that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So what 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 can one do? I guess an organisation who who has these who, these assets, what can they do to to prevent these kind of attacks from happening? You know, is is there something that they can do early on to kind of you know f- safeguard you know their assets? I mean, what, what's what's something that one organisation can do?
1: Yeah, I think there are a lot of things. I think, first and foremost, for, for um, there are things the organizations can do, companies and government institutions, but also uh, people like you and I who really are like, all right, space. I mean, isn't space just, you know, moons and things, <laughs> yeah. you know, the celestial bodies and Mars? And, and I think, first and foremost, for us individuals as global citizens to understand and be aware of how reliant we are and dependent we are on space, first and foremost, right? Mm-hmm. Getting the and the second piece, for the, at the inter, enterprise and organizational standpoint, it's also thinking, through all right, how do we connect with or rely on space assets and space systems if we're not an actual space company?
2: Right? Yeah, yeah.
1: And so there are a tremendous amount of um, uh, strategies you can do, right? So I always say this was, you always hear about defense in depth, sort of the holistic approach. Uh, it really is not only hardening the systems the right way, so whether it's really, like, for example, how we, we're we cyber hygiene,
0: for example, cyber hygiene. Okay. <laughs> That's a nice.
1: Cyber hygiene. I'm sure you, you may have heard that or whatnot, but essentially it's, Hey, you got to really be dedicated and focused on really ensuring your operating systems, software system, your hardware, everything is really, um, you, you continuously watch it, right? So watch for any vulnerabilities or someone pinging it, someone that you don't want ping it or have access to it, mm-hmm. really have alerts in place to really better understand the vulnerabilities. And of course, you mitigate those by setting up particular, you know, software updates or whatnot as well. Um, second, I mean, of course, it's it's really this whole awareness and training piece um, for you and I as individuals and overall corporate, you know, including the corporate strategy for sure. I think that's another piece as well. Um, and thirdly, I think it's, you know, we're so reliant and depend on these systems that, uh, and you know, there's conversation out there on hey, a day without space or something happens, a hack. Mm. What do you do when it does happen? Yeah. You know, and that's the piece there. Like, what, what, like, you, you could put all these strategies in place, you could train all the people you want, but at the end of the day, we're human beings, right? We're not perfect. Mm-hmm. Someone may, mm-hmm. you, you know, fumble something, um, or an adversary may be really capable, or a, a group of adversaries, you know, a nation state and a, a non-state actor group can team together to actually go ahead and target a space system mm. like a GPS. Mm-hmm. Well, what, what is it that you can do to really reduce the impact, right? Okay, yeah, so so, yeah, yeah. You always hear about, it's not if, it's when. It well, something bad will happen. And so might as well, all right, with that mindset, let's let's start preparing. You know, always assuming breach or assuming a tax of mentality. And I think organizations are re-looking at their enterprise risk strategies, you know, their organizational um, resilience strategy if they even have one Mm -hmm. and then on a tactical more practical level you know there we always hear about war gaming or scenario planning right so when you write a particular document or strategy that says all right in the event something happens or a really significant penetration happens of our particular system this is what we will do as an organization whether it includes hey communication to your consumers um or you know overall kick sort of the redundancy mitigation act efforts of it. It's always on paper but very seldom do these companies I you mean, probably right? some I mean, of your focus on operations, whatnot, practice it. Right? You gotta practice it. So then when it actually happens, it's muscle memory. Right. So organizational muscle memory. I think that'd be yeah. another area of what your your question of organizations can actually work on, for sure.
0: Yeah, and, and and once companies get the muscle memory and they get that sorted, it's just a way of you know, a way of doing business, you know, they just they do all the updates and the patches and everything, like you mentioned, and and there shouldn't be any problems. Hopefully, <laughs> if all goes well. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I think for sure. I think uh, I think as a society, though, so you have the GPS system that the US uh, usually uses. Of course, you have the GPS equivalents in Europe, the Galileo, mm-hmm. satellites, so and the Glonass over in, in the Russia area. So these are all these systems that uh, help out with position, navigation, and timing. And um, you know, of course, there's more investment in producing more of those and really trying to get connected to those it's a free service I mean, right it's amazing for you guys consumers and whatnot. yeah um, but so what are those alternatives to these systems that can provide similar or exactly even better services of position, navigation timing you know that's also some a question um for the research and development in, in the entrepreneur community to start thinking about as well
0: <laughs> yeah of course yeah. So how did you when Elon Musk, you know, you mentioned earlier that Elon Musk uh you know put one of his Teslas into space, you know, with the spacesuit. How did you feel when you uh when you saw that? You must have thought, wow, this is the the next step in uh in terms of, you know, space.
1: Yeah, I I honestly I think what what Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos have done to the space sector um it's quite remarkable, not only from their, you know, innovative and sort of ambitious uh, goals and, and what we see. But if you look at, so let's, you know, about seven, eight years ago, or throughout the, the industry sector's history, there was always within the space community, there's always a how can you really communicate the value of space for the non space enthusiast or person who's not aware about space?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think what these guys have done um, is really opened up space to the broader masses. Yeah. <laughs> you of know, so looking at course. the, what you can actually do. I mean, it's, it's just an example of what we humans are capable of. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, 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 but it's also that sort of uh, hip, sort of cool factor. It's like, oh, wow, it's a Tesla, you know, the David Bowie song as well, I believe was playing. And it's just <laughs> remarkable what can happen for sure. And it's, it's foreshadowing. I think if we look about, you know, in the 10, 15, 20 years, um, the capabilities that could actually happen. And the type of minds, right? Essentially, it's inspiring the next generation, generation after that to start looking up to that and say, hey, how can I do that on a a broader scale, for example? So, yeah, for me personally, it was really incredible to see that Um, and really, really happy uh, that, you know, via social media or a lot of folks are more aware of, hey, what Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos are doing. So they're really doing a lot of good work. But I would say sort of the billionaire club they're referred to um there's also another cadre of uh, young men and women that are really really uh engineering new products services uh, and really different business models that are you know space related uh, that are really that don't get too much press as the the musk and bezos of the world but uh, uh, are uh um,
0: i guess it's better sometimes you know when you don't, don't have as much media coverage you can just you know keep your head down and do your work and uh you know? And just grind. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's it. right. You're,
1: I think it, it, it does also help them, right? Because they're opening the way, um, they being the uh, musks and phases of the world, for sure. But, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of activity, great amount of activity going on in space. I think I recently read uh, a quarter one, 2018 report from Space Angels that about $1 billion in um, non government equity. Oh, wow. Uh, investment capital. Huh. So it just sort of shows you the uh, the amount of money that's flowing in the last few years. Um, into these seed and, and uh, early stage companies, which is pretty cool uh, to see.
0: That's very cool. Yeah. And it's very good to see, you know, you, there's the stereotype that young people, you know, don't know what they want. And, yeah, you know, there's all these stereotypes about millennials and, you know, Generation X to a degree. But it's good that there's, you know, people like that to, uh, you know, doing their own thing, becoming entrepreneurs. We are in that age of entrepreneurs. Yes. So it's good to see. Yeah.
1: It certainly is. I think it's it's really, yeah, on the entrepreneurial aspect, I mean, especially, I mean, what's happening in the space, sector is just a microcosm of what's happening in different sectors industries. Uh it's really amazing the evolution of society as we move into the future, of course, how it's impacting work as well. So you have this entrepreneurial spirit, these platforms um, that are really empowering men and women from all ages to really pursue what they want. And so how does that impact how we work? How does it impact the future workforce? Right, Ivan, you know what I mean? So it's all these types of questions that, from an organizational standpoint. Is that, oh, man, I, I mean, maybe I do need to relook at my human capital strategy and how I recruit, retain, and whatever it is, right? So my people, maybe I, I do have a, a retainer model where I, for a particular need, I go ahead and get contact with this global community of, um, you know, the freelance community, right? It's called the gig economy, for example. Hey, okay, I need this really, this particular task I need help with. Help me out for three plus months or whatever it is versus a just 20, 30, 40 a year career. So you're absolutely right. To your point, it's a, it's a, we're certainly in an era where it's we'll become more empowered individually. So it's power shift to, to us
0: yeah. um, away from the,
1: the actual traditional institution.
0: Yeah, not working at the steel mill for, you know, 30, 40 years, you know, actually yeah. doing, doing what you want rather than just going with the status quo.
1: Going status quo. Yeah,
0: for sure. For sure. So speaking about space travel, you know, um, about Elon Musk, et cetera, where do you see, because they're planning on, on doing a convoy to, to go to Mars, the first one, I think, in, in the next decade or, or thereabouts, where do you see space travel in, in, say, the next 10, 20, 30 years? I mean, is it going to be like using Uber or Netflix or just be ubiquitous? You know, you just pull out your smartphone and you you get an Uber <laughs> and it's like, I want to go to Mars, you know, okay, it'll take a couple of days to get there, you know, via Express, you know, do you see do you see that yeah. sort of thing?
1: You know, that would be pretty nice and cool. I think when we get into 20, twenty, thirty years, man. Honestly, it's I, I don't I wanna stay away from saying, Oh, that's not gonna happen because it's you know, it's endless opportunity for sure. But if we talk about the next twenty, thirty I mean what we're seeing is really the three three areas. So you have exploration, exploitation, adaptation. The activity all across those three major areas. Um, and exploration I think we already have these robotic exploration, autonomous missions. I think we'll see more of those, uh, whether it's a, 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 a nearby comet or a galaxy, or Mars, for example, or Moon. Right? There's going to be more. There's a shift now, at least from the administration in the U.S. to focus on more get back into onto the Moon. Right. So for with that, it was going to be a nice thrust of innovation for, for Moon transportation, trans, getting to the Moon, and mm-hmm. uh, in associated mm-hmm. industries and services. But, you know, it, I think we'll see a lot of the, sort of the discussion we're, we're seeing. It's a golden age right now, right? We're seeing the first generation, second generation, third generation, really, the commercialization of space. Mm. So I think with respect to space travel, you know, the Uber side to Mars, I mean, you know, we'd have to get a lot of the the uh, logistics in place, right? Whether it's transportation costs and the actual vehicles that are take us through there. Um, but I think we will see more and more of uh, space tourism type companies operating
2: ah, right. whether it's
1: right you know maybe not going outside of the earth's atmosphere but right at that cusp you know the suborbital type flight where you spend a few minutes and then you come down i think virgin galactic is working that for example yeah which is pretty cool um yeah. and um, yeah i think it's become more more scale i mean if we look at a twenty thirty years year period you're going to see more and more of this. It's going to have a lot of time for to be tested, funded. There's going to be a lot of failures, but also successes. Um, and it'll be interesting to see uh, space travel, space tourism there. And maybe, you know, maybe we'll have habit for the habitation aspect of it. Perhaps there'll be some hotels in, in on the moon oh, fairly nice. soon. <laughs> you, know?
0: you know, one-sixth fairly. gravity, you can just, you know, jump around and uh, walk to your nearest destinations on the moon. That'd be nice.
1: Yeah, it would be nice. And I think with the, the space tourism, space travel... Um, there also is a company, I think, outside of, in Japan, you know, just also it gives you the sense of it's such a global, you know, space has become so global as well. Um, it's no longer sort of a couple of countries operating and playing. Rather, it's many, several countries really want to have a take advantage of space, what it has. So, you know, they're trying to build their entrepreneurial mindset and economies as well. Uh, but there's a come down Japan that really is focused on using um I believe augmented reality or virtual reality type goggles um, or uh, shooting stars and whatnot as well. So sort of that sort of space entertainment as well, yeah. areas as well. So, yeah, I think we'll see a lot of offshoots of these type of things. Um, but uh, yeah, it's going to be exciting. I really, truly hope so. Again, I said I'm an optimist. I'm all about, hey, innovation and what we can do. I mean, just imagine what we've done the last 50, 60 years in space and, um, in the next 50, 60 years in space, it's going to be
0: pretty pretty exciting. Yeah, it'd be a great time to be alive, for sure.
1: I think so, yeah. And if you and I were to have this conversation in 50 years, I'm curious to see... (laughs) And hear what we would probably say or talk
0: about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, here in Australia, we're we're getting um, NBN, so it's fiber optic internet. It's been rolling out the last yeah. few years. I don't know if you've heard of it, but uh, our internet speeds are uh, famous for being so slow. So, uh, right. hopefully, in twenty years, we've got decent internet like what you have over there. <laughs> so, yeah. I think, I think, no, I think we it, have to work on that. <laughs> you are right
1: in in the these. Talking about the the decent internet, I think there's always a, a, a you know, there's three billion folks in the world that are, are called disadvantaged users, right? They don't necessarily have access to the internet, and so from that, they don't really have direct access to education, finance, or healthcare. And so you have uh, companies like OneWeb, um, or even SpaceX and others that are are launching these satellite constellations that are really truly you know, the purpose is to provide internet access and bandwidth to these disadvantaged users. Mm. Um, you know, just, just look what's happening in the continent of Africa, for example, how there's, there are leapfrogging technology, right? I mean, they all have a lot of folks, for example, let's just take Kenya, the number of mobile devices that can use their digital payment platform in PESA. Um, so you have more of that, you uh, know, on top of that, you had a layer of enhanced broadband internet, strong internet that you and I probably enjoy, the sub-saharan africa region hmm. i mean it's, it's a really great great service there that'll really help them um, gain more access to finance healthcare, education and then from the business side of it just imagine that's another entire new market opportunity to provide those services there as well and
0: yeah. as long as they get their cybersecurity in check then i guess everything will be just fine
1: yeah back to the cyber security. you're right the cyber risk portion of it absolutely right you got to do that right or else there's always the vulnerabilities absolutely i mean the 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 attack vectors, the attack surface, just increases so wide, so much. Um, you know, there's so many blind spots, and so I think in order to build these resilient devices, systems, products, and services, you've got to really think about the security risks, right? Cyber and physical as well. So your consumer, the future consumer, current consumer, um, isn't impacted, right? They don't, their information's not lost or stolen or sold on the black market. Mm-hmm well so you're right i think i think when we talk about innovation there's this dilemma right do i go all out and be open fast you know first to market or do i just lock everything down and yeah. focus on
0: prevention is um, better than the cure in my opinion so <laughs> i think the latter yeah, would be yeah. better mm.
1: i think so Prevention, but, but also i would i would say that it's, it shouldn't be binary right they could work hand in hand um you know so i think it's really interesting uh, you know i I don't want folks to, to wait for something bad to happen and then say, "All right, now we got to do we got to really focus on security." Yeah. Uh, rather, yeah. why not work together, break down those internal silos within organizations, from the R and D to the production management to whatever it is. Um, start thinking through. Hey, how can we really have a nimble security strategy um, where we have control of what in the event of something does happen, a penetration or unauthorized access, what do we do? Um, that doesn't really impact us organization or, or our
0: consumer. Ah, excellent. There you go. <laughs> There's plenty, plenty to unpack.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Masita Hiri, thank you so much for uh, being with me. I guess tonight where you are and this morning where I am. <laughs> have a uh, have a great Mother's Day weekend.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, been, it's been a great pleasure. Thank you so much. I think uh, it's it's awesome to to talk about this across uh, different future topics and. Uh, we we always love to do this, so I, I don't know what the mechanism mechanism is for your viewers and yourself. We're always open to feedback um, on these future-focused topics. So it's always great to uh, to get some thoughts. And um, mm-hmm. whether it's your the individual consumers or the, the the organizational leaders that are listening in, I think we we tend to actually try to go out there uh, on an annual basis to get different perspectives, share our perspectives with these senior leaders that really don't have the time to think about all this, right? They risk to their organizations for even opportunities, and so uh, we absolutely encourage that feedback. Yeah, we actually we actually have a content coming up every year, talking about senior leaders and stuff called Trump Forum, and we actually do like to talk about these type of uh, topics. Okay. Right? We talk about work, society, innovation, what happens, how can you handle these changes, what are, what are the disruptive forces that we aren't really thinking about. Um, so it, uh, it's really because I say these are these are shocking industries, individuals, organizations, right? Uh, these topics and these uh, forces. So. But yeah, I appreciate your time. It's been real great.
0: Yeah, sure. th- thank you very yeah. much. And I'll, I'll put I'll put all your details, so your video presentation, your infographic, your blog, I'll put everything in the notes uh, so oh, listeners yeah. can, 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 can watch for themselves. And uh, they'll probably, uh, hopefully they'll think twice about internet security. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, you know, make sure they update, make sure you update your patches and stuff, all right? Please. Yeah,
1: patches and, and really understand okay. the
0: uh the value space brings to our lives as well so, well yeah. maybe maybe in 20 years see you and i will uh, do a podcast on the moon maybe or maybe i'll you be know on what? the moon and you'll be here who knows or maybe vice versa who let's
1: knows? do it man i think so man and within like some type of marriott in space perhaps right the lobby yourself
0: uh, for sure well when i'm on to yeah. my ten thousandth episode of this podcast uh, i'm sure by then yeah. we'll be on the moon so uh, we'll do it yeah <laughs> Thanks again. Appreciate it.
1: Yep. Take care, Adam. Bye-bye.
0: Yeah, thanks very much, Massey. It was really nice to talk to you. And uh, in the show notes, I'll leave links to his blog, his infographic, and also his video presentation, which I watched and and really enjoyed. Uh, Yeah, so if you want to learn a bit more about space hacking, be sure to look at those. If you want to get in touch with me, you can send me an email. I am at inmelbournelastweek at gmail.com. Also on Facebook and Instagram at inmelbournelastweek. On Twitter, it's a bit different, but you'll find me nonetheless uh, at imlastweek. And uh, I've put up a video of me learning to drum i'm actually learning how to drum <laughs> play drums rather and uh it's been a couple of weeks so uh, let me know what you think and uh, if you're a drummer or if you want to be a guest uh, just shoot me an email or send me a message i'd love to have you on you know this show is called in melbourne last week but you don't have to be in melbourne you could be anywhere in the world so uh be sure to subscribe rate and review the podcast this one's on apple podcasts podbean and stitcher as well as other ones as well thanks again my name is ivan Pujani, and i'll see you next week with another very special guest take care now